The Senate and House will both return on Monday. Uh, both are planning to go out of session on Thursday. Last two weeks on the House floor, the House returned to work on Tuesday, June 12th, and took up and passed two bills under suspension of the rules. On Wednesday, June 13th, the House passed another two bills under suspension. On Thursday, the 14th, the House took up and passed H.R. 5788, the Securing the International Mail Against Opioids Act, and H.R. 5735, the Thrive Act. On Friday, June 15th, the House took up and passed H.R. 2851, the Stop the Importation and Trafficking of Synthetic Analogs Act, and then they were done for the week. They returned on Tuesday, June 19th. They took up and passed two more bills under suspension of the rules. On Wednesday, June 20th, the House took up and passed H.R. 5797, the Individuals in Medicaid Deserve Care that is Appropriate and Responsible in the Execution Act. Then the House took up and passed H.R. 6082, the Overdose Prevention and Patient Safety Act. On Thursday, June 21, the House took up H.R. 4760, the Securing America's Future Act. This is the Goodlatte-McCall immigration bill that was considered the more conservative of the two immigration bills the House would consider. It failed by a vote of 193 to 231, with 40 Republicans voting against. Then the House took up H.R. 2, the Agriculture and Nutrition Act of 2018. That's the Farm Bill. It passed, barely, by a vote of 213 to 211, with 20 Republicans voting against. Then the House took up and passed the rule governing consideration of H.R. 6136, the Ryan Compromise Immigration Bill. Then the House took up and passed H.R. 6, the Substance Use Disorder Prevention that Promotes Opioid Recovery and Treatment for Patients and Communities Act. That's a long name for a long bill. The bill was an omnibus package that contained more than 50 individual bills that were all wrapped together, all related to the fight against opioids. The bill passed with an overwhelming bipartisan majority, 396 to 14, and then they were done. Amy, have we got Tom on the line? Not yet. Sorry, Bill. Continue. Okay. This week on the House floor, the House will return Monday with the first vote set for 6.30 p.m., at that time, the House will attempt to take up 20 bills under suspension of the rules. On Tuesday, the House will attempt to take up another bill under suspension. At some point during the week, the House will also take up H.R. 6157, the Department of Defense Appropriations Act of 2019, and a motion to go to conference on H.R. 5515, the National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2019. And we still don't know when it will happen, but as of this writing, the House Republican leadership still intends to bring to the floor H.R. 6136. That's the Ryan Compromise, the Border Security and Immigration Reform Act. Last two weeks on the Senate floor, the Senate returned to work on Monday, June 11th, and voted to pass the motion to proceed to H.R. 5515, the National Defense Authorization Act. The Senate stayed focused on the NDAA for the entire week. Well, not actually for the entire week because they took their last vote on an amendment on Thursday, June 14 at 2.13 p.m. and were released thereafter. The Senate returned to work on Monday, June 18 after a three-day weekend and resumed consideration of H.R. 5515, the National Defense Authorization Act. That evening at 6.06 p.m., the Senate voted to pass H.R. 5515 by a vote of 85 to 10. Then the Senate voted to invoke cloture on the motion to proceed to consideration of H.R. 5895, the three appropriations bill minibus that had already passed the House. 
The Senate debated and considered amendments to the bill on Tuesday and Wednesday of last week. Then on Wednesday, June 20th, the the Senate attempted to take up the president's $15 billion rescissions bill that had previously passed the House. The motion to discharge failed by a vote of 48 to 50 when Republicans Susan Collins of Maine and Richard Burr of North Carolina both crossed party lines to vote with the Democrats. Collins had announced her opposition to the clawbacks earlier. Burr apparently decided to vote against the measure because he was denied the opportunity to vote on his proposed amendment. So now the 45-day privileged window has passed, and any attempt to bring back the rescissions bill in the Senate will be attempted with a 60-vote threshold. The Senate then returned to consideration of H.R. 5895, the minibus appropriations bill. They worked until about 3 p.m. Thursday, then called it another good week and went home for the weekend. This week on the Senate floor, the Senate will return Monday, at which time it's expected that the Senate will finalize its consideration of H.R. 5895, the minibus appropriations bill. Then the Senate will move to consider more nominations, the farm bill and the water infrastructure bill. On the FBI front, several developments on the FBI front over the last two weeks. The House Judiciary and Oversight and Government Reform Committees released a new memo in advance of testimony from the Department of Justice Inspector General declaring that, quote, foreign actors obtained access to some of former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's emails, including at least one that was classified as secret. Quote, documents provided to the committees show foreign actors obtained access to some of Mrs. Clinton's emails, including at least one email classified secret, says the memo, before going on to add that foreign actors also accessed the private email accounts of some of her staffers. Two days later, on Thursday, June 14th, DOJ Inspector General Michael Horowitz's 568-page report went public. The document documents major missteps in the FBI's and DOJ's handling of the Hillary Clinton email investigation, and reveals unbelievable bias toward Clinton and against then-candidate Donald Trump on the part of key FBI officials leading the investigation. Further, the IG report heavily criticized then-FBI Director James Comey for his actions during the investigation and found that other senior bureau officials showed what Horowitz called a, quote, willingness to take official action to prevent Trump from becoming president. Comey was labeled insubordinate by Horowitz, who said Comey flouted DOJ tradition and practices when he decided that only he had the authority and credibility to make decisions and speak on behalf of DOJ. In particular, the report highlighted lead FBI agent Peter Strzok and the bias he held against Trump. A new, a new text message to his lover, FBI lawyer Lisa Page, was particularly galling. On August 6, I'm sorry, on August 8, 2016, less than two weeks after the official opening of the FBI's counterintelligence investigation into potential collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russian government, Page texted Strzok plaintively, quote, Trump's not ever going to become president, right? Right? He responded, quote, no, no, he won't. We'll stop it, end quote. Horowitz wrote that Strzok's text, along with others, quote, is not only indicative of a biased state of mind, but even more seriously implies a willingness to take official action to impact the presidential candidate's electoral prospects, end quote. He continued the messages, quote, potentially indicated or created the appearance that investigative decisions were impacted by bias or improper considerations, end quote.
The report is really too long for me to do a deep dive in this format, so let me just say I've included an awful lot of links in this week's suggested reading, and you can find a link to the report itself should you care to read it. On the immigration front, so much to say where to begin. Big developments on two fronts in the immigration wars, one focused on executive action, one on legislative action. On the executive action front, on Wednesday, June 20th, President Trump advanced in the opposite direction, signing a hastily drawn up executive order, ending the policy of separating illegal immigrant families at the border. He told reporters in the Oval Office before he signed the order that his zero tolerance policy would remain in place, but that the order allows children and their parents to remain together in custody. The order directs the Department of Homeland Security to keep family units together while the parent or parents await trial for crossing the border illegally, except in those cases where U.S. officials may be concerned that parents, quote, would pose a risk to the child's welfare, end quote. The order also directs the Department of Justice to expedite immigration cases involving families and asks the Department of Defense to provide space on military installations to house illegal immigrant families in detention. As might be expected, there was confusion after the order was signed, and it took the White House a few days and at least a couple of meetings to get things settled, and to be honest, I'm not sure they're settled yet. Customs and Border Patrol officials interpreted the order to mean that they should no longer refer to the Department of Justice illegal immigrant family units apprehended at the border because DOJ doesn't have enough facilities to deal with the flow. Department of Justice officials insist otherwise. The Department of Justice has been ordered to request a modification to the 1995 Flores settlement that mandates children can be kept in detention for no longer than 20 days. Expect the lawsuits to begin this week. Meanwhile, on the legislative front, the House of Representatives on Thursday finally took a vote on H.R. 4760, the Goodlatte McCall bill. This was the immigration reform that was considered more conservative by the media, presumably because it did not contain a pathway to citizenship for DACA recipients, merely legal status. Nevertheless, the bill went down to defeat by a vote of 193 to 231, with 40 Republicans voting against it. After the bill's defeat, the House Republican leadership decided to postpone the vote on the Ryan Compromise Bill, deemed the more moderate of the two bills, because it does contain a pathway to citizenship for DACA recipients. They first announced they would postpone the vote until the following day, Friday, and then gathered for a special meeting of the House Republican Conference late Thursday afternoon in hopes they could find 218 votes to pass the Ryan Bill. Instead, after two hours in conference, the House Republican leadership announced the bill will be held over until this week. They haven't committed to a particular day, which is another way of saying they aren't sure when or if they're going to get to 218 on the whip count. But if they do, they're planning to move the bill right to the floor. President Trump may have complicated Ryan's job. On Friday, the president tweeted that Republicans should just give up on trying to solve the immigration problem via legislation. And on Sunday, today, he tweeted that illegal border crossers should be turned back at the border. The exact quote is, quote, we cannot allow these people to invade our country. When somebody comes in, we must immediately, with no judges or court cases, bring them back from where they came. Our system is a mockery to good immigration policy and law and order. Most children come without parents, end quote. We did an immigration survey 
Uh, Jenny Beth released it on Wednesday. This was a survey of a thousand likely voters that was conducted for Tea Party Patriots Action June 15th through 19th by John McLaughlin of McLaughlin and Associates. It shows that House Republicans, considering voting for legislation containing amnesty for so-called dreamers, do so at their own peril. As House Republicans consider their votes on the Goodlatte McCall bill and the Ryan leadership bill, they should be aware that voting for either bill, both of which contain amnesty for a certain class of illegal immigrants, will endanger their election campaigns. These new survey results prove the point Likely voters do not support amnesty and will punish Republican congressmen who vote for it. Added pollster John McLaughlin, the numbers don't lie. By a margin of 42% to 25% among all likely voters, 42 to 25 among all likely voters, and by a margin of 61 to 18% among Republican voters, and 59 to 19% among Trump voters, Likely voters would be less likely to vote to reelect a Republican member of Congress who voted to provide amnesty for a group of illegal immigrants. That would be a tremendous loss of support among Republican-based voters. And for what? The incremental gain a Republican congressman may think they're getting by voting for amnesty is virtually non-existent. Among Clinton voters, for instance, the 30% who say they'd be more likely to vote for a Republican who voted for amnesty are negated by the 26% who say they'd be less likely. And the same is true for Democrats, where 30% said they'd be more likely to vote for a Republican congressman who voted for amnesty, while 28% said they'd be less likely. That's a virtual wash on the gain side. A Republican congressman who votes for amnesty is playing with fire. Allowing a group of illegal immigrants to jump the line via amnesty, whether through a renewable work authorization permit that provides legal status or a pathway to citizenship, is simply not fair or right, Jenny Beth continued. It violates the rule of law, insults the hundreds of thousands of potential legal immigrants who have waited years for a chance to enter the United States legally and acts as a magnet to lure more illegal immigrants. And on that point, <clears throat> excuse me, there is wide agreement. Again, the numbers don't lie, said McLaughlin. Fully 75% of all likely voters <clears throat> do not think it is fair or right to allow a particular group of illegal immigrants to jump the line compared to just 11% who think it is fair. And those numbers hold across virtually all demographic subgroups. Among Trump voters, the margin is 86% who say it's not fair to just 8% who say it is. Among Republican voters, it's 87% to 8%. Even among 2016 Clinton voters, by a margin of 62 to 16%, and among Democrats, by a margin of 61 to 18%, voters do not think it's fair. Americans have seen this kind of proposed deal before, and they've been burned in 1986 when Congress passed and President Reagan signed the Simpson-Mazzoli Act, which granted amnesty to 3 million illegal immigrants in exchange for a promise to secure the border and end the illegal immigration, said Jenny Beth. The amnesty was granted, but the border was never secured, and illegal immigration continued virtually unabated for the next three decades. It's no wonder they don't trust the government to follow through on its promise to secure the borders and end illegal immigration. 
by a wide margin, 50 to 33%. Voters do not trust the government to follow through on a promise to secure the border and end illegal immigration in exchange for amnesty for a group of illegal immigrants now, added pollster McLaughlin. And again, House Republicans should pay attention. Among Trump voters, it's 41% who trust against 48% who don't. Among Republicans, it's 41% who trust against 49% who don't. Among conservative voters, it's 36% who trust against 53% who don't. And among voters over 55 years of age, a key group in any midterm election, it's just 28% who trust against a whopping 56% who do not. And Republican congressmen should know that Americans just do not support a pathway to citizenship for a group of illegal immigrants. Jenny Beth continued, the plurality believes illegal immigrants should not be rewarded for being illegal immigrants. And just less than a third would even support the idea of a legal status for DACA recipients. The Ryan leadership bill contains a pathway to citizenship for DACA recipients. Voting for that bill is a recipe for disaster. House Republicans should not succumb to the pressure campaign being waged by the media and the left. The American people want them to stay strong. Just over one in five likely voters, 22%, supports a pathway to citizenship for the so-called dreamers, added McLaughlin. Just under one in three, 32%, supports a legal status. But a full 38% believe they should receive no reward. And here's where House Republicans should really pay attention. Among Trump voters, fully 60% oppose a reward, while just 7% support a pathway to citizenship. Among Republican voters, 59% oppose a reward, while just 8% support a pathway to citizenship. Voting for the Ryan bill would be a self-inflicted wound from which few Republicans could recover. End quote. The survey was widely distributed to the media and directly to key members of Congress so they could have fresh information at their fingertips as they debated the various legislative options facing them. On the North Korea front, on Tuesday, June 12th, President Trump made history as he became the first American president to meet with a North Korean leader. During the day-long meeting between Trump and Kim Jong-un, they signed an agreement committing the United States to ambiguous security guarantees to ensure the stability of the Kim regime in exchange for a denuclearized Korean Peninsula. President Trump then, at the request of Kim, canceled scheduled joint U.S.-South Korean military exercises. While the document the two leaders signed does not specify either what steps the U.S. committed to in order to ensure the security of the Kim regime or the steps North Korea must take to achieve full denuclearization, it does commit the two nations to holding further discussions between U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and a, quote, relevant North Korean official, quote, at the earliest possible date. Finally, to elections. We've had more primary elections since we last talked. In the June 12th round of primary elections, Tea Party Patriot Citizens Fund endorsed three incumbent Republicans for re-election in the House. Dave Bratt for another term in Virginia 7, Mark Sanford for another term in South Carolina 1, and Jeff Duncan for another term in South Carolina 3. Bratt and Duncan won, but Sanford was defeated. In primary elections that will take place Tuesday, June 26th, two days from now, Tea Party Patriot Citizens Fund has endorsed Lee Bright in the runoff in South Carolina's 4th Congressional District, Andy Coleman in the open seat 
the Jim Bridenstine open seat in Oklahoma's first congressional district, and in the race for the Republican nomination for the Senate in Utah, Tea Party Patriot Citizens Fund has endorsed Mike Kennedy. That's our Washington report for this week.